You found us. Welcome to the Holminster Podcast, a church in the centre of Hull. Your place to worship, enjoy, explore and to belong. If you'd like more information in how you can get involved, visit our website at www.hullminster.org. Almighty God, you have broken the tyranny of sin and have sent the spirit of your Son into our hearts, whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service, that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Now, if I was um, a whizzy person, uh, I would have managed to have got a picture for you, which Tom and... uh, 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 who else is there? Lane, yes. I would have, would have projected on the screen behind. I've been trying all afternoon and failed miserably. So you're just going to have to have a description uh, of this particular picture, if you don't mind. Um, you may know this, but during the Second World War, a cartoonist uh, offered his services uh, without charge to the Ministry of Information. His name was Cyril Kenneth Bird, uh, who went by the pen name Fugas. His philosophy was simple. Uh, People will be persuaded to change or regulate their behavior using humor rather than horror. Very important, of course, in the war when so much sadness had already uh, occurred. And so he set about his task for the Ministry of Information uh, using or working in a kind of a comic book fashion. His most famous poster depicts two pairs of people sitting on a bus or on a train. The first two in the front happen to be ladies, but it's nothing to do with their gender. The first two are clearly having a very vigorous conversation. They're looking at each other in the kind of way that they're telling each other something that nobody else knows. Uh, And underneath there's a little bubble and it says, you never know who's listening. Two seats further back on the bus or the train are two unmistakable figures, Hitler and Goering, sitting right behind them. And the caption on the poster careless talk costs lives. Now, none of us here are old enough to remember seeing that poster. You might have seen it in other ways, but uh, that's one of the great posters of the Second World War. Careless talk costs lives. Uh, His style uh, was taken up rather less humorously by the Americans and the Canadians, who did their best with the phrase a careless word, a needless loss. doesn't quite ring the same way, does it, as careless talk costs lives. That message could have come straight out of the Jerusalem church where James, the brother of Jesus, was the chief pastor. It could have come straight out of the book of James, as we heard Sue reading in that passage this uh, this evening. No human being 
can tame the tongue, says James. No human being can tame the tongue. Well, uh, James, I think, is rather prone to exaggerate the point, uh, but he's basically saying the way we speak matters. The way we speak matters. James doesn't quite have the humor uh, of that cartoonist. Uh, and, as I, and as I said when I opened the series a couple of weeks ago, uh, what he does do is pile a whole series of metaphors one on top of the other. Uh, and this particular passage is a really classic one. If you've got the, uh, Sue read from the, the passage, but there are bits and bits of paper around the church if you wanted to follow the words or Maybe it will appear on the screen anyway. Um, but uh, he piles images, kind of pictures, one on top of the other. Uh, and, 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 and I suppose it's his way of making his point. Horses and harnesses, ships and rudders, forests and fires, fresh water and salt water, fig trees and olives. Uh, well, all of that within the space of a couple of sentences uh, he uses every image he can to make his point about the power of the tongue in the hearts and lives of human beings. Uh, the way we talk and the content of our conversation can be dramatically affected, of course, when we come to faith. And that's really what he's actually trying to say. It's an interesting book, James, because in many ways he paints the worst possible picture and I think part of the reason for doing it is because he's speaking to a, to a church which has experienced the best part of the story of faith so he's, he's kind of making a dramatic contrast in order that people might uh, understand more deeply so I think James is saying we've got this utterly extraordinary gift in Christ uh, my brother uh, we've got this extraordinary gift uh, to make the most of it let's see what life would look like without it uh, and I think that's the, the way his argument goes uh, James is one of the most contested books in the New Testament uh, Luther uh, thought that it didn't it ought not to be in the New Testament at all it ought not to be in the Bible and refused to have it read uh, but of course it's a book actually which is profoundly um, uh, deep in its understanding of the way of faith. Uh, James talks a lot about wisdom, uh, and the book is riddled through with wisdom. And those who write about these things say that uh, James was using the word wisdom, or the idea of wisdom, as a way of talking about the gift of the Spirit uh, given to people as they trusted in Christ. Uh, he's aware of the dramatic changes that take place when people come to faith. I remember when I, soon after I came to faith, in my early 20s, that two things changed almost overnight uh, in my speech. The first was that I stopped blaspheming. Um, in the early 70s, you can begin to see how old I am, uh, the early 70s, uh, blasphemy uh, was a very, uh, as, you know, was, uh, people, people used uh, blasphemous words so freely and regularly and uh, as a younger person I probably picked that up from those uh, around me but I noticed or almost as soon as I come to faith that I stopped blaspheming and I still cringe when people 
uh, use the name of Jesus or use the word of the name God in a way which is, as it were, an expletive. The second thing that happened was that I seemed to stop swearing. Now, I had no control over that. That wasn't me that was doing that. It just seemed to stop. And I, I was, you know, I had a quite a wide range of Anglo-Saxon, which I would use, uh, you know, fairly regularly. And it just seemed to stop. And it was one of the things that made me think, gracious me, something's gone on here. Uh, you know, uh, there's something's happened, uh, that my speech has changed. Uh, and I think James is, is saying that. He's saying the quality of our life together is something we ought not to take for granted because it actually is extraordinarily precious. Uh, and he's, as I say, drawing these negative images as a, as a way of emphasizing the positives in the church in Jerusalem, which, as I say, we saw a couple of weeks ago, was just coming up uh, through a massive political crisis to the point at which Jerusalem would be sacked the Christians would be dispersed, uh, the Jewish community would be uh, sent out into the diaspora from which, in which they have existed for the last 2,000 years. Dramatic events taking place in Jerusalem. And yet, James senses the, the wonder of the story of the faith. James, rather like that cartoonist, was writing at a time of high political tension. Uh, and his point is that he, he's, he's saying that careless talk gives the advantage to the enemy. That's what's going on, I think, what he's saying. Uh, and uh, he doesn't want that wonderful difference that faith makes to be lost uh, as people fo uh, follow Jesus. Uh, and James makes an unexpected connection between the speech we use and the health of the body. And I think this is one of the most interesting things that comes in the book of James. He says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, and is itself set on fire by hell. Uh, he doesn't mince his words, does he, James? I mean, he just really goes for it when he sees what he wants to say. Um, uh, and I think he's reflecting the deepest truth which he has seen in his brother, Jesus. He's seeing that Jesus is the one in whom all things hold together. That's what Paul would say uh, in the uh, letter to the Colossians. He'd seen that uh, through his life and ministry, uh, there would be a connectedness, which is the gift that God wants to give to us human beings. He would talk later on about faith and works, about words and actions. But James is saying, I think, in that um, passage, that the, the tongue is able to destroy the way the body works. It can corrupt us. Uh, as we use it. But the opposite of that is also true, that that which is uh, precious and good and wholesome can build up our human life. So the connectedness between the whole of us is crucial in the life of faith. 
So instead of the tongue being a restless evil full of deadly poison, James believes that the tongue which sings praise to God can be transformative in bringing blessing to others, if you like, the positive side of those words from James. I remember standing in a queue behind a very uh, deeply good and godly man who I knew very well when I worked as a youth worker in Manchester. Uh, And this man is called Val Grieve. He's now dead, but he was an absolutely great man of faith. Val was being sorely provoked by a man who was standing beside him. And this man was swearing and abusing him uh, just all the time, shouting at him, swearing at him, and so on. Every time the man spoke, Val looked at him and said, thank you. Uh, And the man produced a further set of expletives and Val said, thank you. Of course, this riled the man even more, as you can imagine. But eventually, he gave up and he walked away. And uh, Val had seen in this man uh, the image of God. And he wasn't going to uh, follow suit, as it were, in the way the man was speaking. Flawed though he was, he saw that he was made in God's image and likeness. Now, I reckon that that man, uh, when he went away, uh, began to think about what was going on here and that something uh, profound might well have happened uh, in his own life. James, in this book, I think is deeply challenging uh, but also very practical in terms of what he says. Uh, And uh, he offers us inspiration as we journey on in faith and hope and love. He's got something to say to us, which is really important in our own day. And it's particularly about that sense that when the the Spirit of God takes a hold of the life of a person, there is a profound change, a new creation, as we were reading in the Scriptures this morning in church, uh, and that God can can bring about um, such transformation in the lives of human beings. So James may not be a great um, stand-up comedian, and he does do his, do his best with his metaphors, but he does speak a word into our own society uh, and uh, gives us a gift which, we, which can inspire us and bless us as we journey on. Let's just pray for a moment. Thank you for the precious, healing, life-giving words, Lord, that you speak to us. Thank you for the example that they give to us also to speak with your gracious mercy and love to others. Build us up, we pray, in that most holy faith. Integrate our lives and bless those with whom we share our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to one of our sermons. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then follow us on social media or visit our website, www.holminster.org.